It's Ember Wednesday in the first week of Lent. Welcome to today's Lentcast. This is Father John Zilsdorf. We continue our Lenten pilgrimage to the station churches by gathering at the Collect Church, St. Peter in Chains. That was the station yesterday. And we proceed in procession, singing litanies, up to Santa Maria Maggiore. Santa Maria Maggiore was one of the four major patriarchal basilicas. They're called papal basilicas now. According to pious legend, in August of 352, a Roman aristocrat dreamt that the Blessed Virgin Mary wanted him to build a church on the site she would reveal to him. On the 5th of August, there was a miraculous snowfall. It's especially miraculous given how hot it is during uh, during August in Rome. The snow fell on the Esquiline Hill, and that is where they built the beautiful basilica dedicated to the Mother of God. Each year, on the 5th of August, white rose petals are dropped through the magnificent gold-coffered ceiling of the basilica to commemorate the miraculous snowfall. In 431, just after the Council of Ephesus declared Mary to be the Mother of God, Pope Sixtus III constructed this basilica and had his deacon Leo design and execute the mosaics of the interior's triumphal arch. That deacon would soon after become Pope St. Leo the Great, And you can hear in his preaching the themes of the mosaics. Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday of this week are ember days. There are four sets of ember days in the traditional calendar. These are days of special penance and prayer. They fall roughly at the changing of the seasons of the year. The Roman practice of the ember days might be rooted in pagan customs, but by the third century they had been thoroughly baptized with Christian meanings. The Ember Days also have a parallel with the Jewish Day of Atonement and feasts like that of Tabernacles. The traditional calendar keeps us more closely connected to the rhythm of our planet's year, the changes of the seasons, and therefore gives us a strong sense of sacred time and the swift passing of our own fleeting days. Continuation from Meditations on Death, Preparing for Eternity, by Thomas Akempis. Consider the severe weakness and debility which often precedes the actual event of death. This debility and weakness is truly nothing other than a herald of our mortality and the oblivion which will engulf our earthly being. The period of severe illness which precedes death for many is not, indeed, the ideal time for repentance. Apart from its extreme uncertainty of duration, it is generally a time when the spirit and the mind are gravely weakened and strong resolutions have become virtually impossible. 
and if one is confined to bed, genuine emendation of one's life is hardly meaningfully possible at all. For the person confined to bed, and in the throes of physical and spiritual dissolution, can hardly undertake any real works of piety or penance. Thus, deathbed repentance is inherently uncertain in its efficacy, since its sincerity is not demonstrated or supported by any works or reformation of life. It may be efficacious in some instances, but it cannot be relied upon, since not even the person concerned can be certain of the genuineness of their contrition. 